Welcome to TikTok Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Jameson. I'm a verified TikTok creator and professional makeup artist based in Dallas, Texas. After gaining over 800,000 TikTok followers in just six months, I became obsessed with helping aspiring creators and entrepreneurs unlock their full potential on the fastest growing app in the world. If you're looking to find your niche, increase your income, and build your influence with short form video content, then you are in the right place. My goal for this podcast is to inspire and empower you with actionable tips and insight from top TikTok creators so that you can master the For You page and build your brand on TikTok and beyond. There's no better time to start than right now. Let's dive into this week's episode of TikTok Radio. What's up, guys? Welcome back to TikTok Radio. How are you? How's your day? Happy September. I guess it's actually like halfway through September yet and I haven't even acknowledged it. I am so excited for today's interview. I feel like there's just this era of like iconic creators that kind of came from the YouTube height, the Facebook video post Vine era, if you will. We have Mr. D times three, who you guys might recognize from his viral video that landed him on the Ellen show. It's just so cool to see the opportunities that creating content have given such like everyday normal humans. Like I think people have this concept that to be a content creator, you have to be like an influencer and have this like perfect, polished social media lifestyle. But Joe is so funny. He was a teacher and now he's a full-time comedian, but his background in teaching really shapes a lot of his content. And it was really cool hearing about his journey, just like from start to where he is now. Be sure that you guys are following us on our social media pages. We are on Instagram and TikTok sharing clips from episodes. They're usually my favorite little tidbits, so go show them some love. You can also leave us a voice message with the Anchor app, and we can answer it here on the show. This is something that I used to do when the podcast first started. We haven't done it as much lately. We haven't gotten as many questions because I don't think many people use the Anchor app to listen. Most people are using Apple Podcasts, according to my analytics. But if you want to be on the show and ask a question and get it answered, go ahead and leave us one of those. Leave us a review in the Apple Podcast thing, the app, I don't know. Um, a rating works great too. And put this episode on your story and tag us so I can say thank you for tuning in. I like to joke and say that I like started this podcast for selfish reasons because I wanted to hear people's stories like one thing about me is I'm obsessed with like hyping other people up and helping them see like how awesome and cool they are and the opportunities that I've gotten through social media have given me a lot of confidence they've given me business opportunities it's really completely changed my life and it is just so special to be able to connect with other people who have had that same experience or an even crazier experience and I think find their stories like super inspirational and I know I feel less alone in things that I struggle with talking to other creators and I hope for those of you that are just starting out that you can take away that like no one has it all figured out none of us are perfect we're all still learning and I just love seeing what people are doing with these communities that they've built like just being themselves which is so cool and so powerful and it makes me so happy like there's so many negative things about social media out there too like I get it but I feel like you can't ignore the value that it provides to people and really can be life-changing so I'm glad that 
those of you who are listening find that interesting too. Like it's just so exciting and fun to hear someone's success story. I always say like people have no idea how interesting they are and you have no idea how much you can impact someone else by sharing what you're going through or what you've been through or things that you're passionate about. If there's anyone you guys want to see on the podcast, shoot me a DM on Instagram, leave me a comment, let me know, make an intro if you know them, because we are always looking for guests to have in person here in Dallas or virtually on the podcast. There's been a bit of a delay in getting the YouTube channel up, I will say, so you will have to forgive me. We can only process so much video content at a time and going from being audio only recording in my closet to trying to produce video content for Reels, TikTok, and YouTube, and an audio podcast has been a lot. So please be patient, and those videos will all be up as soon as humanly possible. One thing I do want to touch on ever so quickly is the debacle around Revolve and New York Fashion Week. From what I understand, Revolve is like very inconsistent in compensating creators, and you know, across the board, when creators take partnerships for just exchange of product that hurts everyone and I know that it's really common with Revolve because they do have very like high ticket items some dresses are a couple hundred dollars to a thousand dollars or more and it's very trendy and you know they put a lot of money into events like Revolve Fest that was at Coachella I believe so basically there's been conversation around creators saying like, thank you Revolve for sending me to New York Fashion Week, but they're not disclosing that like Revolve's not paying for them to go. They're just getting them access essentially. But then there's like some creators that are being paid to go or are being compensated in some way. Like it's just very inconsistent and I wish there was more transparency in this because if we can all be more consistent in how we communicate with brands and the expectations for compensating us for our platforms that we've worked really, really, really hard to build, then everyone's going to benefit across the board. Let me know what you guys think about the whole Revolve thing. I just, it gives me an icky taste because I know that it's not costing them that much to give you free clothes. So for creators with millions of followers to be doing stuff for free is just like, ew. My friend Lissette made a good point that it's like, people say, oh, well, I was going to, you know, do that anyway. I was going to buy that anyway. So why not just get it for free? But like, if you were going to buy that anyway, just tell them that you're going to organically integrate it into your content. Like that's honestly, I think more valuable an organic endorsement than a sponsored post that's kind of like half-assed because you're not getting paid to do it. You know, like you can definitely put more time and effort into posts that you're getting compensated for. Like that's a no-brainer. Anyway, let me know your thoughts. I just, I don't like it. I don't like people not getting paid and I don't like people taking brand deals and hurting other people by selling themselves way, 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 way short. You know, it's like the people that are like, oh, well, this isn't my full-time job, so like I don't need to get paid to do it. Okay, well, it is some people's full-time job. <laughs> like, why shouldn't you get paid a full-time salary to do it if you have the experience and the visibility? Like, why not? It's only bonus for you. I could go on all day. All right, guys, let's dive into this week's interview. Yeah. 
Hey guys, welcome back to TikTok Radio. We have a special guest here with us today. We have Joe Dombrowski, who you guys might recognize from his super viral videos, interviewing and talking to his classroom, playing pranks on them. And now he has evolved into a comedian and grown his presence online to over a million across all of the platforms. I don't even know. What are you at now? It's definitely over 2 million if you put all, yeah. all of my platforms together on tiktok i think i'm at 1.2 which is my biggest platform by a landslide when i think of your content i don't think of you as a tiktok native creator because i remember your videos i want to say from facebook was that where you first got started yeah my first viral 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 video that nothing has touched a candle to since went viral on Facebook in 2017. People might recognize that I, I gave a fake spelling test to my class of fourth graders and it just went nuts. So what? So that video, it had no reason to go as viral as it did. I took the video. I set my phone up on it was sitting on my coffee cup, no fancy lighting, no fancy sound system, nothing. I pressed record, completely raw and unedited footage, no captions. I posted it at nine o'clock in the morning, Easter time, which is Easter time, Eastern time, which is like the worst time to be posting. And it had 20 million views overnight. Like insane. I and know. you didn't have like a following, right? This was just Nothing. like yeah. on a whim. This was on a whim. It's so, so funny. That's crazy. Yeah. What so what that kind of has taught me on my journey is that con like the meat of your content and your messaging is what matters the most. Like you can mm -hmm. say something completely if it's well written and it's funny, like funny is funny, it will do well. It doesn't have, don't be too precious about it. Like it doesn't have to be immac. You don't have to spend tons of money on it. Like let the content speak for itself and like true, real talent will shine and come up on top. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I always say like viral content is viral content no matter where it's posted. Like mm -hmm. if Charlie bit my finger never happened and it was posted on TikTok today, like I think it would still be as yeah, viral. Yeah, I do too. So, I mean, you're a great example of that. I mean, that was what, 2017 and just a random post then kind of launched you into this trajectory. It's so cool to see how it's evolved. So give our listeners a little bit of background on like who you are and how this journey kind of started. So I'm Joe Dombrowski. I'm a full-time stand-up comedian. Um, at the time, when my video went viral, I was a fourth grade teacher. Now, the common misconception with my journey is that I was teaching, my video went viral, and then I became a comedian. But that's actually not true. I was actually a, a stand-up comedian for my third grade talent show when I was eight years old. I've always wanted to be a comic. and Oh, my gosh. I yeah. love that. <laughs> and teachers are poor people, as I'm sure you know. So even... Even the whole time I was teaching, I taught for 10 years. I was always doing comedy, moonlighting, doing it after school to make 20 bucks, 50 bucks to buy lunch and put gas in my car. And I, I did it and I loved it. And at the time that this video went viral, I had started racking up a, a local name for myself in Detroit, which is where I'm from. So when, when the video did go viral locally, people who knew me in Detroit were like, yeah, this guy. So as much as it 
was an accident. It also was like, I knew it was funny. I knew I was funny. So I posted it knowing that it had potential. Let's just see what it did. But that video did launch my career to a whole new level when Ellen DeGeneres saw it and then invited me on the show and then invited me on the show again. That's when I didn't realize it was twice. It was twice. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Oh my gosh. And a lot of people like I owe I owe her a lot. She kind of got some heat for a little while there. And people often ask me, they're like, is it true? And that's not my experience. She actually made some really personal time for me off camera where she said, you're really funny. And I was like, oh, thanks. She goes, no, I don't think you understand what I'm (laughs) saying. I was just like, oh, thanks. And she's like, "Um, no, you're really funny. You need to pursue that. You need to do something with that. And like that moment lit a fire under my ass. And I left the show and I was like, you have the time comedically why don't you start doing this in other cities and go bigger and then I did and I did and I did and I built it and then I got picked up by my managers and my agent who saw my show and then after that it was like it was done it was uh, it was my career that's incredible I think that speaks to the fact that there's a lot of people out there that see people who go viral you know and that kind Mm -hmm. of changes their life it sets them off on this journey if you will but they don't realize the years and years and years of work that goes behind some of those skills comedic timing is a skill in itself so you like pushed record that day knowing this is gonna be funny what made you even decide to document that because I feel like there's a lot of people that would think like oh this is just a little shtick I do like no one really cares like what made you decide to make it and post it so I had probably Six months, okay, probably with that that year, 2017, 2016, 2017, I started to change my comedy on stage from talking about just, like, who I am to talking about what was happening in my day job, which was being an elementary school teacher. So I, I had been recording just funny things that were happening in the classroom and posting them, and my my friends and family were like loving it like i'd go to the bar and meet friends who i hadn't seen in months and they were like oh my god when you posted this blah 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 it was just so and i was like oh okay you know so to me well first of all that that's just what i did like as a teacher which i also loved being a teacher you have to be yourself the kids will smell bullshit a mile away and Girl, I'm funny, so I'm going to be funny with the kids. Like, I'm just going to show them that side of me. So this was just me being me. And, yeah, I knew it was funny, and I knew it was just another video. But really, I thought it was just going to be, like, friends and family were going to be like, ha, 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 again. I truly did not expect it to go as massive as it did, which that was that was the treat. But the other thing that I learned from this is there is – nothing more important than authenticity you have to be yourself then like people will sift it out when you're trying to be fake and the number one thing from that video is i capitalized on being myself and there is Mm. no better feeling than connecting to other people because i am who i am and i showed you who i am like this wasn't a shtick that i couldn't duplicate a second time it was what I do it was who I am and and like being able to take that performance on stage all over the world is like 
uh, it's the most unbelievable thing. I think that speaks to why we see people loving TikTok so much too. That video looking back is kind of like a TikTok now. Like it yep, didn't have yeah. that like highly produced feel that like a lot of YouTube and a lot of the Vine creators that had become sketch people. Like it didn't mm -hmm. have that production side of things. It was like just hit record, unedited, whatever. Um, that's why people love TikTok too. And that's why I think the platform is so valuable to creators yep. is because instead of having to put on this persona like we see with Instagram and even YouTube, people can just hit record and be themselves and literally monetize being themselves, which is so incredible and such a great opportunity. I mean, I feel like this is the first time we've seen a platform that gives people that insane reach like you had on that Facebook video that yeah. really allows them to build their careers around that. I definitely agree with what you're saying. The one thing th that I think about too is the fact that going back to what we were talking about before, good content is good content. Now this video I, re mm. I did, this video went viral five years ago. Okay. And TikTok popped in 2020 and I, for the first time, Re, I reposted that video from Facebook to TikTok in 2020 and it still went viral, still had multi-million views because the content, it. it's like the, it's the number one thing that I would suggest to creators to keep in mind when you're creating a piece is you want it to be as evergreen as possible. And the example of that is evergreen, meaning will always be relevant. That video was an April Fool's Day prank. There will always be April Fool's Day. That video resurfaces on April Fool's Day every single year. And also, there will always be kids in the world. People will always relate to what children find funny because even though those kids are in college now, believe it or not, they're like, like, what? there's like a new. Well, not those kids. Oh no, my first my first couple years teaching are in college. No, I was those like, kids holy are in high school. no, those kids are in high school. Yeah, oh, believe it or not, that's so hurts. Driving, yeah, I know. So, but but there will always be fourth graders in the world, right? So people will always relate to. There will always be parents who have kids that age. Like it never stops. So kids the, are funny too. The end always will be. So keeping keeping evergreenness in mind when you're creating content is also a very important piece to success. I can totally see that, too. And I feel like that goes across every niche, though, like whether mm -hmm. I don't know, you're a business creator or you're a DIY creator or a beauty creator. Like there's certain things that are always going to be relevant. I right? feel like it's interesting because TikTok, because it's so fast paced there's always these trends happening. And I think a lot of creators chase trends of like making sure that they're keeping up with relevant and they're like, Oh, this makeup, I have to buy this makeup or this Amazon thing or this or this, it's like the consumerism of like content almost. So they're creating, spending all this time and energy creating content to be relevant for like five days and yep. long-term having your own brand and your own shtick and your own series of content, something you're known for is so much more valuable. So I'm assuming based off of that video that inspired you to continue recording those type of interactions, did you have the same kind of reach in the subsequent videos or what was your experience there? I've, I've, I've never had the same reach. I've never had the same views, but 
they my views and reach went up drastically since then. So it's not uncommon for still for me to hit multi-million views a strong handful of time a year. But like, I don't, I think only once have I broken double digit millions, you know, like tens of oh, millions yeah. since then. I've never gone past 20 million again. But um, it's funny because you don't improved. hear about that with Facebook a lot. Like Facebook the reach in 2017 on Facebook, I mean, it was better than it is now, obviously, but it wasn't a platform for creators at that point. Right. So it was just like on your personal profile. Yeah, 100%. I didn't even have like a fan account set up yet. I didn't have uh, a YouTube, anything. But uh, I'll never forget when that video went viral, like the, I was actually on a vet family vacation when it went viral. And my cousin, who was like big in tech in San Francisco, he was like, you need to set up a YouTube page, like, and a Facebook fan page right now, repost that video there and just like watch what happened. And at, at the time I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I checked it a month later and it had like 27,000 subscribers. Like it's, I was like just from that one video and thank God I did it within that first week. It drove so much traffic to those pages. And then eventually I started to dabble in, you know, making more content, making more videos. And then when I was on Ellen, any video that I had posted bef- when, from the video going viral to the Ellen performance all shot up like insane from there. So like having a backlog super important also. It's funny because I talk about that with TikTok too. Even if like your views are low on something, but if that content like speaks to you and your brand and you like the video, like leave it up because yeah. you never know. Like a subsequent viral video or media mention can really skyrocket those views out of nowhere i talk a lot about accidental creators and i think like you're a really good example of someone that was kind of like setting themselves up career-wise you already had an interest in comedy posts a video and then you know your cousin saying you got to set up these accounts i think there's so many people that are not prepared for going viral or like the what what can happen from that and so then if you like you said if you hadn't done that you would have lost a lot of that momentum so having you know a link tree set up or having a youtube account already there like people want to see more content so if they enjoy it they're going to be looking for you in other places so i think that is so smart and i'm glad you mentioned that because i think people just aren't prepared for it the teacher in me will always be a goal setter right like I taught goal setting with the kids. I'm always I a goal love setter. goal setting. Me too. And and manifesting. And I'll never forget when my managers and my agents came to my show before I was officially signed with them. At my meeting with them the following week, one of the questions they asked me are they were like, "What's your goal?" Straight up, point blank, open ended questions. And I said, um, "Well, here's the pilot to the." TV show I wrote that I would eventually like. Uh, my other goal is I want my comedy special to be out within the next 10 years on a major streaming platform. I would like to do this, this, this. I'm currently planning a tour in Australia. I would like to boost that even more. And like those were my goals. They were out there. And I told them like my ultimate goal is to be um, the eventual host of Kids Say the Darndest Things. And then like at the end of the meeting, they were like, We're, we want you. And I was like, great. Years later, they told me that that question is so important to them because so many times these people come in and they have 
achieved a level of success where you first start to find your representation and they ask, what's your goal? And nine times out of 10 people say everything. I want to do it all. I want to be in movies. I want to be a singer. I want to be. And if you are not specific with your goals, people are not going to work with you. You need to know what Mm. you want and you need to have a loose plan of how you're going to get there. Because when the people come to help you, they can only help you if you have a skeleton of where you want to go. And that I ended up later sort of mentoring a friend of mine who um, is a huge, huge TikToker now. And he, is it Charlie D'Amelio? It's not Charlie D'Amelio. Not that huge. But he um, <laughs> he came to me and he's like, yo, I don't know what's happening. And I was like, what are your goals? And he's like, I want to do it all. I want to do this, 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 this. And I was like, well, you need. I think you should focus on what you're really good at. And you're really good at this one thing. So I think you should start to de- develop where you want to go with that. And he did. I, I'll tell you off record. I don't have permission to speak on his path right no, now. No, you're fine. But he ended up focusing his energy into pursuing that one aspect of entertainment. Um, I could probably tell you it's voiceover work. He He's really good at voiceover acting. And oh. he focused his time in that. And now he's a lead character on a Disney Plus um, show as playing one of the voices on the show. And he even said to me, he's like, so thank cool. you for kicking my ass into focusing my energy and where I wanted to go. And he's like, and now I'm doing this. And I'm like, see? You got to have goals. This is like gold because I think the way TikTok is also, I think because you were already like an adult pretty much or a young adult and had a career and had, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that like a lot of people go viral and they're not real or they start growing a following and and TikTok, it can happen overnight. And then they, and they don't know what they want to do. This happens with younger teenagers and I think super young adults too they let the people around them tell them hey this is what you're gonna do Mm -hmm. this is the this is the path you're going kind of like the Disney star path where they're like okay now you're gonna put out a a record and then now you're gonna do this yeah you know like they like lead you down this path they don't always have your best interest at heart or they just follow the views instead of like building their own brand and saying like no this is what I really want to do and then they get burnt out and then, then they've lost the the momentum that they had from that growth. So like, that's think about really this. good advice. Could you imagine if the Island Boys had three really good songs in their back pocket when their virality happened? They could have been like, yo, what we did was bad and it put us on the map. But like we have three things that we've been working on that are actually really good. Take a listen. Like that could have been yes. a, that could have been success, you know, like. That could have taken them to the map. And I think for younger younger people who go viral too, the chances of you being a Charlie D'Amelio, uh, Addison Ray, any of those people who are just living is super rare. So it could it happen? It could happen. It's super rare. Like, start to harness your energy into like what your shtick is like what you're good at what you know a lot about and start to get a little bit more niche than just like i'm beautiful and can walk like that it's just not gonna happen to everybody all right 
I used to joke and say, like, what do I have to do to be one of those hot girls on Instagram that all they do is post a picture of themselves and no one knows anything about them and they get hundreds of yeah. thousands of likes and, and brand deals and go on these trips. I'm like, what are they smoking? Because I want some of that. I want like, some of how that. do I? I just like can't be mysterious enough. I just like can't shut the hell up. Same. So that's why oh, we're the same. I can never be a mysterious Instagram girl. Same. No, I mean, that's so true, though. I think um, a lot. A lot of people don't set themselves up for success because they don't think it can happen to them. I think that's where like manifesting and goal setting and like having a bigger vision than what you think you're capable mm-hmm. of, I guess, or at the moment, um, like anything can happen with well, the internet. Uniqueness it's, is so it's important amazing. too. I remember when my first few brand yes. deals came along and I'll never forget. I did a brand deal for like this. It's a, it's like a little mini couch for kids. It's called the nugget. It's kind of got a weird cult. Fo- oh my god! You know wait, but that's isn't that yeah it's with got, the Facebook groups? Yeah, it's and the got moms. like a weird cult following <laughs> now. But when that shit first popped, yeah. they tried to like target it to teachers too because it's actually a really cool thing for classrooms. And I did a brand deal with them, and I sat on the box and I like looked super cute, like right outside my window, and I posted it, and it did like okay. And then like months later, I looked at the picture. I was like, bitch, who the hell are you trying to be? This is like, cause this ain't, you're not the one. Like there's nothing funny about this and your whole thing is funny. So now whenever I have a brand deal come through, the first thing in my mind is, okay, how are you going to make it funny? Your whole thing is comedy. Like you're not just going to post a picture with a, Mr. Coffee, you're going to turn it into A, B, C, and D. So, like, harnessing the uniqueness in your first few brand deals is important. This is, like, a masterclass in personal branding. You ha- Did you have background in marketing? Like, you just naturally did this. You know this. what? How, do you, honestly, how does your brain work? Honestly, I. that was another thing, too. When I first got signed, my managers and agents, like, couldn't believe what I had already established on my own like I booked my entire first tour 100% on my own without any professional help at all just because I can and I also I think from a really early on in this I understood the value in niche like niche you think is small niche is huge and when my first video went viral from being a teacher I was like you need to dial in the teacher shit. And I did for years. And even just now, I'm like just now starting to talk about other stuff. And fans are growing with me. I was going to ask what that transition was like. So, okay, you, you know, you go viral. You're obviously start posting it to other networks. You get on TikTok. You were doing the teacher thing. How did that evolve into the content you're creating now? Like how has it changed, I guess? And what has that transition out of teaching been like? Because there's a lot of creators that are full-time creators about their career. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like that was a hard transition or how did you yes, manage that? Very hard transition. Um, I thought I was ready and I, I left the classroom the first time to go on tour and the tour was very successful, but I realized that my, I, I, I kind of like left teaching even online, I was like, I'm talking about me and my life and people love me, honey. They don't give a fuck about you. So I 
I I was hit with a rude awakening when my managers were like, your shit's not popping, baby. So let's get it going. Um, and then I was on tour and the pandemic happened and I lost 40 tour dates. I had no job. I was trying to be funny on the internet. It was just like not working. Um, and I was in a real low point in my life and a kindergarten position opened up across the street from my house. And I've always wanted to teach kindergarten. It was the one grade that I hadn't taught and I took it. And when I took that job, I started talking about it more. I started posting more about my kindergartners. I wrote an entire new hour of material on just about teaching kindergarten and my following just shot through the roof again. And then at the end of that school year, I, um, didn't return the next school year and I went back on tour, but I told myself, be really honest with your fans. Let them know you're not in the classroom, but you're still such a strong advocate for teachers and teaching because you do love it. Um, and continue, continue to speak to the, to the people, but I switched it. And what I did was, is now I say all the things that teachers wish they could say, but they can't because they'll lose their job if they do. So being that uns that voice of the unspoken is sort of where I lie and I'm able to continue to be who I am and talk from my personal experience, but I'm also speaking from this teacher point of view. And what I'm doing through that is I'm continuing to keep the audience that I had grow to have more audience from that same niche, but it's also way more general and I'm growing more and more fans who, um, who are not teachers at all. It's a beautiful thing. I hope everyone listening to this is taking notes because this is a masterclass on personal <laughs> branding and evolving your personal brand. Yeah. I love that you were looking at what was happening numbers wise. Like, even though obviously I think people see the goal as being a full-time creator, but like sometimes, especially when your career is so closely related to your content, it's hard to transition away from it that. Is. And I love that you like totally flipped the script in a way like the it's it, I just love content creation as an industry because there's so many ways you can take the same niche like you can turn it so many different ways and look at it so many different ways this is what brands do in their you know marketing meetings is talking about like how do we speak to the right person what how are we going to betray this like let's flip it this way let's flip it that way but we can do that as creators and be smart and intentional about how we're speaking to our audience. And I think because you really knew who your audience was, because we say that like we're our audience, like typically who we are is the type of people that are watching our content. It's just genius that you were able to flip it well, that way. Well, that's the thing. The, the way to flip it is to, um, to do it a way that nobody else is doing. And I would argue, I don't think there's another, uh, there are definitely other teacher comedians and there are definitely other teacher content creators. I don't think that there's any of them who are speaking about it through my perspective. And I can tell you for sure there's no one speaking about it as raw as I am. So that put me in a different demographic where they're like, oh, this guy, he's talking about teaching, but he's edgy about it. Like he'll go there. And that drew people in. You know, they're like, oh, this isn't this isn't your sing song Mr. Rogers Mary Poppins moment. This is your like I don't know, like your Avril Lavigne bad bitch two thousand two moment. 
It's funny because I think that isn't that a concept in comedy writing is like benign violation. So you're taking something that's like really innocent, like being a kindergarten teacher. And then you're like giving all the edgy yeah. like, comedy right. side of things. Because well, it's bad. Like one, one of the one of my jokes that I'll give it to you in a nutshell that hits so well is I We're going to get an inside yeah, a little preview behind the curt. One of my strongest jokes is when I talk about. I've had kids who I fucking hated and that's real. And teachers like in the, like people think that teachers just love, Oh, I love all of them. I love every single one. No, they're people. If you get, if you get dropped off into a a room of 40 strangers, you're going to get along great with some and some you're going to absolutely fucking hate. And that's true with teachers in the classroom too. Some of them I'm like, you're my fucking dude. Others. I'm just like, I can't. handle any ounce of you and that's normal human interaction and that's okay to admit what's not okay is if they know you don't like them so teaching is the best acting job you'll ever have oh my gosh i love that so my mom was a teacher really? for 10 years and she taught second and oh, third grade third yes. sweet spot. and she subbed a lot when i was growing up so um I remember her always talking about when they were deciding what they were going to name me. Oh, my um, God. They didn't know if I was going to be a boy or a girl. So they were, like, listing out names and every name, every boy name yep. that my dad came up with. My mom was like, nope, nope, I had a Ryan. Nope, I had a Brian. Uh, nope, I had a James. Like, they were like, she was like, and I couldn't stand them. Like, so she literally, they, like, narrowed down the names. And the reason they ended up on Victoria was because... My mom had never had an Elizabeth and she had never had a Victoria. And my aunt named her daughter Elizabeth before my mom had me. So I ended up with Victoria yeah. because no one else. She hadn't had a Victoria in her classroom. We're in the same boat. It's it's so real. Like we were very early steps of like our baby journey. But we'll toss around names every now and then. And I'm like, oh, absolutely not. Will we ever have an Emma? Never, ever, ever will we have an Emma. So get that out of your little head because it's not happening. It's funny to see also like the surges in names. I don't know if you follow Trey Kennedy oh, at all. It's interesting because he kind of had a similar trajectory of going into comedy from creating videos on the internet. That seems to be a common trajectory, but it's interesting. I think it's more interesting going at it from being a teacher to a full-time comedian instead of like a skit creator yeah. to a comedian. Well, there's a that weird, makes more sense. In, anyway. in the comedy world, there's a weird stigma around it too because – I mean, like, Trey can hold his own, for sure. But um, there's a lot of, like, internet comics who get really popular online, and then agents jump on it, and they're like, we can sell this if they do a live show. And then they go and do a live show tour, and it's, like, bad, because they have no background in live performance. And live performance is not the internet. It's completely different. So what worked on what oh, yeah. worked in your phone is not going to work on stage unless you know how to do that. So when I come in with this like huge internet following, other comics are super skeptical and are they're like, yeah, they're not welcoming until I do my set and then they're like, "Oh, he's a comic. Like he he's a he's a real comic." It's weird. It's funny because it's like that in so many industries, though. Like, people see people who are successful online and are like, like, in acting for a long time, people were like, oh, like, you're an influencer. But now they're casting people based on Oh, my God, I know. I mean, yeah, there's so many comedians that have had that trajectory. Mm -hmm. But there's so many, there's so many other people who have been, like, stupid successful from it. Like, I. Oh, yeah. Like, 
let's just break this down. Justin Bieber blew up on YouTube, everybody. So don't. Oh, my God. Wait. Yes. The original influencer. And guess, what, guess what his big pop after that was? Ellen. And then after that, it was game over. He was Justin Bieber. So, like, I don't know why anyone's taking my shit like it's not real, baby, because I'm going to blow all y'all out of the water. Don't think I won't because no one's going to believe in me like I do. So, bada boom. Honestly, genius of Ellen, though. Like, I don't know who in the writing room decided this, but to go online, find content that was already viral, feature it on the show, and then bring those people in. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing on the podcast. I'm like, let me bring in people that are really awesome on their own and talk to them. Here's a secret. I thought that too, right? And I'm sure it's true. The producers told me that Ellen actually was the one who saw my video and brought it to the, the meeting, brought it to the writer's meeting. I don't yeah, doubt no. that. She's scrolling like everybody as a else. Theory though, who like was like? I mean, maybe it was Ellen. Was like, you know what? Let's bring these people in and talk to them. I guess because she has the power to do that because she's right. Ellen. But no one else was doing you're right, that. You're right. I think. And now, I mean, social media is featured on like the freaking news these I days. Know, and I know. Well, like, that that's they funny. get all their content when from us. When my video went went viral. Um, the way that I found out that it was going viral is I was sitting at dinner that night after work with a friend and another friend who I hadn't talked to in like four or five years who moved to Tennessee texted me and she said, you're on the news right now. And I was like, what? And then she texted me a picture of my video being played on the news in Tennessee. And I turned to my friend that I was at dinner. I was like, we need to go home right now. And we went back to my apartment. We turned on the news and I was on our local news. And even in 2017, that, that wasn't. Yeah, they can. Um, but even in 2017, that wasn't like a, that wasn't a big thing. Like, look at this viral video. But now it's like every day they have like segments. They're like viral video of the day or whatever it is. But that was not. Yeah. The other thing too is you got to try to get in on shit before it's like the thing. So speaking of getting in on shit before it's the thing, when did you start posting on TikTok? Oh God, I resented it for so long. Okay. I remember that's a common theory. I remember I was on a field trip with my fourth graders and I remember them being like, Mr. D, you need to be on musically. You they were like, you you got to witness musically because you knew children. I was in the same boat because I taught dance classes. So they were like music. They were like, you'd be so funny. You'd be so good at it. And I was like, baby this isn't it and they were like yeah and they loved it and the whole thing with kit with teaching is like you have to like figure out what the kids are into and then figure out how to bring it into the classroom so i made a few musicallys and they were like this is crazy and then i just like let it sit forever well then musically turned into tiktok and tiktok started to just like go 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 i got in on tiktok I would say December of 2018, maybe around then. Yeah, so like right after it changed. And I was just being stupid doing like lip dubs and stuff. And like, this, remember how you used to do it in slow yeah. motion and then you'd play it back? And how it was like, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. That's what I... It's so funny because people did that on Reels. Like at first, start, people still do that. I'm like, why are you speeding up your videos? It looks like you filmed this in 2016. <laughs> so I got on TikTok in 20. 20- it's It's true i got on tiktok in 2016 Mm -hmm. and i remember i like was 
the thing was back then there was not adults on the right. platform so it was really easy to make content that would perform well because everyone else using it was like yeah. seven so like you could make a really good video and get views and followers but at the time it didn't mean anything because it was just this random app it wasn't connected to anything else no one cared no one knew what it was it wasn't until it got bought out and like rebranded to tiktok that it started to gain momentum and even in 2018 i mean it was a totally different environment than it is now like it was lip syncing. It was like cringy X Vine content. I'll never take um, a, an app for it, granted. It, like when a when a new app, oh yeah, starts to get popular, you should definitely start getting active on it because you don't know if it's going to be the next TikTok, and you don't know if it's going to flop. But like, what if it is the next TikTok and you got in on it when it was like new, and now you're Charlie D'Amelio? Yeah, like Clubhouse had a really big like moment during the pandemic i think everyone's talking about be real now what is that which um oh it's interesting it's like um it's an app and it doesn't let you upload photos to it so basically you get a push notification like once or twice a day let's see if i have one right now so um basically it you post like what's actually happening to you at that moment you have two minutes to post when you get the notification and then um it posts your front camera and back <gasps> i hate it at the i hate time. it yeah so it's interesting all the like all my friends that are like eight years younger than me are using it so i felt peer pressured to start using it um it's it's a thing I think the funniest thing the cutest thing about it is oh and everything only stays for 24 hours so it's like it's interesting. I like it for like documenting like what I was doing that day. I think that aspect of it is cool. That of it, I don't think it's a social media right. in a sense. I don't know. We'll see what happens. No one's going to become an influencer Let's from be it. Real. Let's yeah, put yeah, it that yeah. way. It's scary. It not. scares me. I don't want it. <laughs> I think I'm getting to the age now where I understand why my parents don't understand social media because even there's <sighs> stuff going on with Gen Z. I mean, I'm 30, so I'm i'm like the end of millennials somewhere in there it's funny because the way gen z does social media like i get it but i can't duplicate it don't even try like they probably no people probably listen to this podcast that are like you know 25 or maybe i don't know they and they're probably like what this what is this lady saying grandma talking about tiktok (laughs) yeah literally that that vine that was like i'm 16 i'm a grandmother exactly oh my god the the gen z uh first of all they horrify me second they impress me and third of all um they keep me up at night Okay, so you get on TikTok. It's 2018. You're like doing the thing that that everyone else is doing. When do you start to see this as an actual avenue for posting content? Because I mean, like you said, TikTok's your Mm -hmm. largest platform right now. So where did the evolution go from like thinking that this was a waste of time to like now it's your biggest vanity? Well, um, TikTok did what TikTok does, which is my theory is that like, TikTok modeled their um, algorithm off of drug addiction, which is what they did was they give everybody who they see are posting consistently, they'll give you one massive video that 
whatever viral means to you, it will do. And then you get addicted because you want to reach that high again. So you keep posting, you keep posting, you keep posting. Then they start to see you're scaling back and then they let you have another one that does really well. And did that happen to me? Sure fucking did. Did I become addicted? Sure fucking did. And from there, I was just like always trying to chase that high of another million. Like I need another video that's going to hit a million. We all are. And um, I don't think that that's bad, but creativity uh, – competition creativity and competition are like the same thing too so i sort of switched a little bit and i kind of was like looking at what other people were doing which was the trends and then what really was successful is when i started to make the trends about my niche which at the time was kind of a little bit unheard of now it'll take the trend and you're like you hear this popular song and this next person's like here's how you help with your clinical depression this 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 it's like (laughs) shut the hell up but like i was kind of taking the trend and making it about teaching and making it funny and that's when my shit really started to pop like big time yeah because then it's showing it to your ideal audience and then those are the people that relate i remember in the when the world first started opening up i went to a beer garden with my partner morgan and these girls stopped me and they were like oh my god are you from tiktok and that was the first time that i ever heard are you from tiktok and i remember being like and like cordial but a little bit of you're like no i'm from right like I, I was like uh, i was like super cordial but i turned to morgan i was like are you fucking kidding me like those people like know me from tiktok and he was like at least people know you from somewhere and i was like "Ooh, you're right so then i was like keep going keep going and then people would show up to my shows and they were like we found you on tiktok or people would write me or ask me for an interview because they found me on tiktok and i was like oh oh this is for real this is not just the children this is people who are making decisions. And then the first time I ever posted tour dates on there and they sold out and the amount of people who told me they came from TikTok, that's when I was like, oh, oh, this is what this is. Okay. <laughs> this is what's going on. It's amazing because you see that kind of across the board with people, though. Like people that were already established content creators have been able to like revive their career or grow it in a different way because the platform was just different enough for them to like evolve their content in a way and reach like a new audience. Like those kids that stopped you or teenagers or whatever, they probably would have never seen your video on Facebook because no one uses Facebook under the age of Right, 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 exactly. And the, although the other platforms do move tickets, like if you got a million subscriber following on something and you're not posting about your tickets there, then what are you doing? Oh, yeah. I think I used to have a lot of like anxiety about like selling to my audience on TikTok, but now it's just Yeah, you like, got to get over it. Everyone's doing it. Like you got to take what Gary Vee says with a grain of salt because he's fucking crazy. The end. Oh yeah, but but <laughs> the one thing that he did say that I think about all the time is it's like you got to think about your social media, all of your social media together as like a seventy five twenty five situation. Seventy seventy five percent of the time, you are giving to your audience, giving, 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 giving free content, giving free giveaways. Um, giving them perks, giving, 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 giving 25% of the time or even less. I think maybe he, I think even he said 90, 10. I don't really know. But the smaller amount of the time is the ask. Ask way less so that when you Mm. do ask, 
you have already given them so much and now you're saying I would invite you to do this one thing that will help me and that is another thing that I'm constantly very cognizant about is uh that's just like a tried and true mm-hmm. concept on social media too. I mean, that has been like that since the Instagram, early Instagram and Facebook days. Like I worked in social media marketing internally for an agency and that's kind of how I got interested in the business side of things. Um, and then my journey becoming a content creator has obviously <laughs> evolved that interest. And um, that's why I like talking about the behind the scenes thing because that type of foresight and kind of like planning some people don't think about so that's when you end up with people that are just like selling 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 and then you eventually like oh yeah them because you're like i don't want to buy what you're pushing too much of my content is about my ticket sales i know my fans are like what like okay we get it but that's why when it comes time to promote ticket sales i if I have to promote ticket sales every day, then I will be posting at least two other pieces of content every day that are not about ticket sales that are just for you to enjoy for free because it has to balance out. Yeah. So that's probably an important piece of advice too. Absolutely. Okay. So you went from being a full-time teacher to evolving to be a full-time comedian now. What was your content creation approach during that time period so I I think a lot of people struggle with like when to post how often to post finding time to edit and post how was that journey for you like how often were you posting did you start like right off the bat creating content do you have you taken any major breaks like what has the actual posting side of things look like for you I, I feel like creators you are the creative and one of my biggest things is I realized is I had so many great ideas, but when I try to do them all myself, I realized that they weren't coming they weren't coming out as good and they weren't coming out as often as I needed them to because we all know consistency is key too. So I had a podcast, I was putting out videos, I was editing everything myself and doing everything on myself and I looked at my content and I was like, it's not professional and like if you want the industry to take you seriously you need to bump this up a little bit and be professional and the truth of the matter is you need to pay to play you need to spend money to make money so the best investment that i ever did was hire editors um and that's when my content really took a shift and started to perform like really really well again not as well as before um as as the as the spelling test video nothing will touch a candle to that but it was because I was able to do the, I, I was able to focus on the creative. I was able to do more writing. I was able to do more filming. I was able to use my voice better, hand everything off to other people who that's their job. They're, they're good at that and they do it in a timely fashion. Help me get content up more consistently. Help me get, like when I would make a promise to my fans, this video is going to be up. It was up. And making that shift into being, taking my business professionally really, really helped. But yeah, you have to pay some dollars to, to, to make that step. And it is so, so worth it when you're able to pump out quality content consistently. How early on would you say you started investing in people to help you? Because I was going to ask, like, do, now that you're where you're at in your career, do you have people helping with the um, 
production side. Most people mm -hmm. do as their career evolves. This is just like reminding me that I need to put more effort into finding an editor. But how did you decide? I mean, you said that you weren't able to be consistent with it. How? What time period so was probably, that? Probably uh, three and a half years in is three and a half years from the explosion of the of the spelling test video after that i was kind of like this isn't because the big thing at that time is i was still teaching full-time so i was teaching full-time and trying to be a, a content creator full-time and i was like if i'm going to i needed to think about this i'm like you're making money regardless on teaching money's coming in it's not a lot but mm. it's coming in um mm -hmm. you could probably make more money on the content side if you took a little bit of that money and invested it in your own business you have to invest in yourself to grow so the biggest thing there was kind of like making a budget seeing how much i could actually spend per month um on that and once i did like the views start going up and then the the ad rev starts going up and then it's paying itself off and um the the biggest thing that I did was started a Patreon for my podcast. I have two podcasts. I have one with uh, me and a guest, and I have another podcast with my mom where we watch trash television and then just like berate it. The Patreon alone pays for all of my all of my editing, all of my editing of all of all of my Amazing. editing, video and audio. So like, all that's like one extra video that I have to make a week. Uh, worth it? Uh, yeah, I think so. So you got to get crafty. Yeah, that's... I think a lot of people... I know for myself, the idea of like creating exclusive content is like almost anxiety-provoking because then it's like I'm committed to this one thing. Like, what if I don't have time to do it? Or what if whatever? And then also it's like finding the time to put into it and then you're like married to this like schedule I don't know but I think there's a lot more conversation now around having these like closed what do they call it closed channel social medias where people pay like a small amount to be able to have closer access to you is super oh, valuable totally. and like I was in the same boat it, too I, I didn't want to do it because I first of all it felt weird but here's the thing people want to see you succeed they just don't know how to help so when you do something like produce a Patreon, you're giving them something. So you're giving them something and they're paying for it for sure. But they're paying for it not really for the content that you're giving it. They're paying for it because they want to help. And it's really small. My Patreon's $5 yeah. a month. That's like one less cup of coffee a month. And people want to support the podcast. They want to see it continue. So they do. And you cannot take for granted how much your fans actually want you to succeed. I think that a lot of creators fall into the category of like having imposter uh -huh. syndrome too, of feeling like, oh, well, no one would want to buy that from me. But like, they're not even, not even putting trying. it out there to test it out. I mean, I've made a Patreon for this podcast the first time around, which I started this podcast as a passion project. I really wasn't advertising it. It did well organically, but I had, I went through some personal stuff and I couldn't keep up with it in my life. So now that I'm relaunching it and I have a producer and I'm investing in my equipment and my setup, um, I'm going to relaunch the patreon or some other network of closed channel marketing like either a discord or i mean there's a ton of different ways to do it now um patreon's kind of the og though um but i think that having that 
reoccurring income that you can depend on speaks for itself because you're saying that you're able to use that to cover just your base cost of having people help you. Uh, I'm curious how early on did you start being able to monetize your platforms? Like what did that look like? um, I remember starting to look at my numbers when I was starting to creep up on like 10, 15,000. And this is when the phrase micro influencer was like not even a tick. Which platform? uh, Mainly Instagram. So I'm starting to encroach like 10, 15,000 on Instagram and micro influencer wasn't a term that was being thrown around, but you were starting to see the benefits of it. And I was looking at other influencers that weren't, this truly is the masterclass, Victoria. I was looking at other influencers. Yeah. I love it. I'm learning (laughs) too. Other influencers who um, had smaller of a following than me and were doing branded content for brands, for money. And I was like, that's my money. Like, cut me my check. So I started by reaching out to brands and offering to do um, uh, influencing for them for product only. Like, I just straight up asked them, I, I only want product. And my goal was to make it so friggin' good that they would come back and ask me to continue to do that. So I did, and I took screenshots mm. of all the analytics. So what did I have now? I had data to back up my argument because in teaching, the the yeah, the, the phrase in teaching is always data drives instruction. You can't just do something because you think it's going to work. You have to have data to drive the reason why you're going to do something. Well, the, if I tell people I can make, I can do ad deals for money. Well, why? Well, now I'm able to go to companies and be like, here's what I can guarantee you. We will get at least these many views on this product, this much engagement, these many reactions. Um, would you want to do it? So then what I started to do is I started to reach out to brands and then they'd say, yeah, we'd love to work with you. And I would say, here's my rates. And they'd be like, oh, she came to play. And my rates, my first couple times I did my first rate offers, they were low. Like I was doing jobs for like 200 to $500, which in like marketing terms is peasants change. Um, but it was making a difference for me at the time. So I'm like, let's keep going. And then it just built and built and built and built. And eventually I'm able to say, I will do, I will give you two Instagram posts for a thousand. Well, a thousand turned into five, turned into 10, turned into 20. Like you just keep building and collecting that data to prove your case and you'll get the money. Then you can be more selective with the, partnerships you do take once yep. you're charging a higher ticket rate. Um, I like that you said you were seeing people with smaller followings and you charging for it. I have recently done the same thing with TikTok where like I have almost a million followers, which to me now doesn't feel like that much because I have friends that have 15, 20 million followers and I'm like, oh, I can't charge that much. But then there's people that have like less than 100,000 followers that are charging for a post and they're getting it. Like why? Like that's my money. Like I should be getting that. So know that. I mean, it's a great point that you just have to have the data to back it up and the confidence to ask for it and not be scared of hearing no. I have a friend who I sort of mentor. She's got a pretty big following and she's very specific on um, like children's literacy is kind of her niche. So like children's books and she'll have like 
reading companies want to work with her. And she's like, I don't know what to ask. And I'll say, you tell them you will not do this for anything less than $5,000. She's like, oh, my God, that's so much money. This isn't worth it. I go, I know. But first of all, what if they don't even bat an eye and they say yes? And second of all, you what do you think this is worth? And she goes, a thousand. I go, that's right. So you say five, they're going to come back with three. And then you say yes. And you got 2000 more than what you think this is worth. How about that? Like show business, baby. Business is where the emphasis is. I have a dance degree. I'm obviously using it (laughs) every single day of my life. Um, But in my college program, our um, director used to always say it's show business, not show begging. Boop. So there, I I do think a lot of the stuff that I have grown to be interested in in personal branding, like came from learning the business yeah. of marketing yourself as a performer. So no, I mean it's a great point. You ask for more than you think. You never want to start negotiating at what you right. actually want to get paid. Like I was kicking myself. One of my friends who has, I think around 200, somewhere between two and 300,000 on TikTok. Um, I, she worked with L'Oreal and I had done, I was in negotiations with them and I was talking to her and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm so excited. I'm doing this post. And we were talking about our rates and I wish I had talked to her before I negotiated my rate because she was, she got a couple thousand dollars more than I did. And L'Oreal was probably like, exactly, like we're going to get, and they're like willing to pay for way more. I will never forget. I was, I was still full-time teaching and I did a job with JetBlue, right? The airline. And, um, I remember. Yes. Like they sent me on this trip. I, I, I like shot them some, a low, low number. And then I was like, and also like, I would love to do this with my, with a co-host of mine. It'll make the content way better. And I offered them like a shit load of content. Like I was making a full YouTube video, a podcast episode, uh, uh, like everything, everything. And I think I did it for like $2,000, maybe, maybe. And I got down there and I met another one of the influencers and we started drinking and started talking about it. They went on that trip for one Instagram post and they did it for like $25,000 and had maybe like 5,000 more followers than me at the time. And I'm like, oh, bitch, this shit ain't happening again ever. And that's when I started thinking like, you go big or you do not play because these companies have money and they will gladly take advantage of you if you lowball yourself because nobody's going to advocate for you harder than you. So why would you ever undermine your own worth? That's one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast. Like I was really lucky to already know people in the content creation world that were already full-time creators that I could go to and ask questions like, how much would you charge for this? Like, what do you think this is worth? Yada, yada. Uh, And like there's a lot of people out there that just don't know who to ask and a lot of influencers out here gatekeeping girl boss um rates like they don't want to say oh i charge fifteen thousand dollars for this it's almost like they're embarrassed to say that that's how much they're charging but if if we're not talking about it then like no one what is rising tides lifts all ships or something like that like if if we can all make yep. more money if we talk about I have, asking for so more money. So there's this very like, specific niche called teachfluencing. 
it's teachers who are influencers. And every once in a while, someone will get brave and they'll like slide in the DMs and ask me. And I'm an open book. Like, I also want to see you succeed because one thing that I think is disgusting is, first of all, like everyone listening, when I talk about teach fluencing, it's a metaphor, right? Like there's also like nurses who are influencers. Like there's so many people who are in these powerful, mm-hmm. underappreciated positions that are influencing and businesses are going to take advantage of you left and right. You are working your side hustle work that side hustle girl. Don't let people be like, Oh, you know what? And for these posts, we're going to supply your classroom with a year's worth of books. Well, a year's worth of books, bitch, ain't going to pay your rent. So you better tell them, great, I'll take those books and $10,000 because they have the money to give it for, to you. You make them pay. Like, oh, and absolutely. That, when, when teacher influencers come to me, I'm like, I will tell you everything you need to know because no business is going to take advantage of you ever. I won't let it happen. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially like growing aspiring creators to think that they have to take brand deals. Like you had said, um, you were doing it for free at first and, and yes, I mean, there's value in getting metrics, but like at this point, brands know what they're doing. Agencies know what they're doing. Like they're getting free advertising content from you to sell products and they're paying you at cost like what it's costing them to make something that probably costs five cents that they made in china at a sweat shop like it's it's mind-boggling how much creators are being taken advantage of and i think it's because they're like oh well this isn't my job i don't have a lot of experience like i don't know what to charge like it's still valuable no matter whether it's your full-time job or not A hundred percent. And that's the thing. Like the name of the game is getting paid. You're not doing this for free. You're doing this for a reason because you need to. You're not just doing it because of the kindness of your heart. And when you have a business, this is the number one bit of advice. Either you're going to approach a business or a business is going to approach you that you absolutely love. It's this brand you've used your whole life. It's your favorite brand. It's your dream brand even. Do not sell yourself for product. That dream brand is a multi-million dollar company that has more than enough money to pay you for this work that you're about to do. And if you, if I say this to the teacher influencers, if you accept a job for product and you're not in the beginning stages and doing it just to build a little bit of data, if you accept job for product, you're ruining it for everybody else because these businesses then get the impression that teachers are so poor that they will do this influencing for us just for product. Not true. And do not let them take advantage of you. I'm pissed. I'm heated. Absolutely. And I think that's why we all have to. Oh, no, I get heated for sure. No, this has been so great. Like, I feel like I love the way your brain works and it's been great to pick your brain. Honestly, I could probably (laughs) ask you questions literally all day and nerd out over social media. Um, But our time is coming to an end. Uh, I always Mm -hmm. have two questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So the first one is, what advice would you give to someone who wants to be where you're at now in Um, your career? Stay true to who you are, 100%. Um, figure if you don't know who you are, figure out who everybody else is and be the opposite of them. Love that. 
Yes. Okay. And then the other one is if you had to start over completely from ground zero, knowing what you know now, oh my what would you God, do That's a great question. Okay. If I had to start over knowing what I know now, what would I do different? Oh, wow. I think... This one always well, stumps such people. A great I love question. it. This is, I've never been asked this on a podcast. This is a great question. Um, I would not pay attention to the comments. I would not, I would not read and pay attention to the comments Ooh. because I think that there was a few times where I said things that I really believed in and it ruffled a few feathers. But what I didn't realize at the time was um, when you ruffle a few feathers, you're actually letting the trash take itself out. And those people who don't mm. like what you are are going to leave. And the people who like what you are will stay and you're going to attract more people like that. And I noticed that when I started being more open about my sexuality online, um, there were definitely some, you know, Christian women who were not going to have, yeah, they were not going to have any of that. And they were going to let me know it. Well, guess what? I let the trash take itself out and I lost a huge portion of followers at the time. And it was so scary to me, but you know what? I'm nobody's going to forget who I am. I'm going to remind you every single day. And it built this audience of people who are just here for it. And, and I love that. So now like, I'm not going to apologize for, I'm not going to apologize for how I am, how I think, how I talk, what I dress like, what I say, somebody is into it. And if you're into that, you have a seat at my table. And if you're not into it, that's more than fine. Go find what you're into. But if it's not me, adios motherfucker. I don't have time for you either. Yes. I feel like the phrase, if you appeal to everyone, then you attract, or like, it's like, if you, what's the word? It's a marketing phrase. It's like, if you appeal to everyone, then you connect with no yeah, one or something like that. you can't appeal like, to if everybody. You're too it's impossible. palatable. Yes. Yeah. You can't, you can't real. make everyone happy. No, the comments thing. Comments ugh. are ruthless. That's people always, I think, wonder why creators stop engaging yeah. in comments, but it's because we have to protect yeah. our mental health. Like you can only hear someone make fun of your eyebrows so many times. I literally had to filter the word eyebrows in I'm my comments because like straight white men would come in and be so mean to me. I'm like, sir, you should see them when I don't so wax the middle of them. Like, because Here's the other thing too. You have to realize that that is your business. That's your page. You own it. And if there's people saying anything yes. that you don't like, you can press the block button and you can delete the comment. And don't you let anybody oh, make 100%. you feel bad for any reason for deleting and blocking because you're doing that to protect yourself. The other thing too is when... If I was to say to anybody starting out, you need to ask yourself if you have thick skin and can you handle this? Because people are going to see the one thing that you're so self-conscious about and they're going to talk about it and they're going to talk about it openly and they're not going to be nice about it. And if, you ca if you're looking at yourself... And they're going to start oh, yeah, a Reddit sure thread about yes, it. they sure are. And if you cannot handle people talking about you like that, then then please find something else to do because it will be detrimental to your well-being. It will be terrible. But if you have thick skin and you can persevere and push through that, you are sitting on a gold mine, baby. But if you can't, hey, you've been warned.
You've been warned. I think that's why we see so many performers like come through or like, I mean, even teachers like there's so many nurses, a lot of industries. Oh, you're treated like absolute shit. And so that's why you go on social media and you're like, oh, well, I can do this. (laughs) Like, this is a lot better. I love it. Okay, well, shamelessly plug your socials and any upcoming ventures that our audience might be interested in. I'm not so shamelessly going to plug it. I'm actually going to demand that if you're listening to this right now, I would love it if you followed me and helped me grow on my journey. You can find me on any social media at MrDTimes3.com. That's M-R-D-T-I-M-E-S, the number three dot com. Um, I have a new YouTube series out called Tattletales where I interview kids and get their hilarious reactions. You can watch that. And my fall spring tour has been announced now. I would love to see any of uh, the listeners of this podcast at any of my live shows. You can get tickets and you can check to see if I'm coming to your city at MrDTimes3.com. Hell yeah. Okay, you guys heard the man. You have to go follow and go check out those tickets. So thanks again, Joe, for coming on. This has been so much fun. This Honestly, don't tell anyone, but this might be one of my favorite interviews. <laughs> I'll take I've ever it. Done. I'll take it. Thanks for having me on, Victoria. It's been great. Of course. Okay. Thanks for listening, you guys. Tune in next week for another interview on TikTok Radio. Thank you so much for pushing play today. That's it for this week's episode. Remember to subscribe and leave us a rating or review if you liked what you heard. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and TikTok and join our exclusive Facebook community group for more support and guidance as you grow. I'm your host, Victoria Jameson, and I'll see you next week for another episode of TikTok Radio.